We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, good morning, Crossroads. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Now, listen, this is a big day because not only am I saying hello to you, but today we launch our online campus so we can say hello to the world. Now, hello. Hello, hello, hello. In fact, let me give you a couple of shout outs. I want to say hi to Aaliyah down in Anaheim, California. I also want to say hi to Kelly, though, who is watching right now. Check it out with 120 women in Seaside, California, which is super cool, right? And then also Debbie in Las Vegas is watching. So we got all over the place. It's so cool. So I'm, I'm so excited for this to be happening and for us to, to be able to go beyond our walls. And I just want to say thank you to every person that's given, every person that has prayed, every volunteer that's now chatting in our chat rooms right now, and Robbie, our campus host, doing such a great job. So I cannot wait to see what God is going to do through our online campus. But uh, you need to know that our mission is the same, whether we are digital or we are in person, it is to, to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That, that's why we do what we do. And as the lead pastor here, that's my mission here. And uh, I just want you to know that wherever you might be at, we want to help you take those next steps to be able to find, to follow Jesus and, and to uh, discover him. So that's, that's what we're here, we exist for. But, but for today, we launch a brand new series that is called What Made Jesus Mad? And it's a series that's based off of a book that's written by my friend and mentor, uh, Pastor Tim Harlow, out of Parkview Christian Church in the suburbs of Chicago. And he's going to be here in a couple of weeks to be able to preach. And you're not going to want to miss that because you're going to not only get a great message, but you'll understand why I am the way I am, okay? And so you, you do not want to miss that. And I'm pumped for us to be a part of this because what made Jesus mad is a question we need to ask ourselves because it, when we ask that, we're actually asking the question, who is the real Jesus? Because in our world, we have all kinds of views and all kinds of stereotypes of who we think Jesus really is. You know, growing up, I had a version of Jesus that was in my head. And it was kind of shaped because of my at, at first Christian church in Rapid City, South Dakota. And when I went there, this was the version I saw all the time. Anybody ever remember that version of Jesus, you know? You know, he had the light blue going on all the time. He had like a Birkenstocks, you know, you know sandal thing uh, going on. Um, he, 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 had, he had great teeth all the time. Just great pearly whites. And his hair was conditioned like Fabio. Just, it was beautiful, beautiful hair. He was always passive, never raised his voice. I mean, that was the Jesus. And I saw that hanging behind the pastor in that little church in South Dakota. What about you? Like, what version of Jesus do you have? Does, does he have really good hair? Has he got well-manicured nails? Does he have a golden retriever by him at all times? Like, what, what version do you have? Or, or maybe there's a, a deeper version that you have. Maybe your version of Jesus is one that gets angry all the time. Maybe your version of Jesus shakes his finger at you because he's always expecting you to mess up some way, somehow. Or maybe Jesus is on the same level as Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. That's kind of where you believe he's at. Who is, who is Jesus to you? And, and part of the reason I think that we like this version of Jesus is, is honestly because he's safe. And, and guys in the room and maybe joining us, you, know, you kind of look at him and you think, I could take him. You know what I mean? Like if, 
If you met that version in an alley, you'd be like, yeah, I could, I, I could do that. You know, you know that, that's just kind of how it is. But, 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 but we like this kind of Jesus for all kinds of different reasons. And one of is that, you know, it, what it looks like is that he kind of rubs our back and makes us warm milk all the time and tells us everything's going to be okay, you know. And, and this version of Jesus, I think, is constantly wanting to hug you. His arms are always out, wanting to always give you a hug. And he never gets in your stuff. But, but most importantly, I think this version of Jesus, we think, never wants us to change anything in our life in order to follow him. He's just happy that we're, we're there around him. But what if I told you that there was actually a version of Jesus that you may not have ever considered? What if there was a version of Jesus that looked more like this? Right? You know what I mean? You know? Now, now... Listen, I, listen. I, it's just tongue-in-cheek analogy. We clearly know this is not Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So save your email, all right? Just relax for a second. This is the greatest professional wrestler of all time, though. The ultimate warrior. Yes, it is, okay? But what if Jesus had a little ultimate warrior in him? What if Jesus did raise his voice against things that were wrong? What if Jesus got upset at people? What if Jesus got righteously mad at things that were around him? If all that's true, what would it do to your safe image of Jesus that you've carried around in your back pocket your whole life? And, and we just need to know something. That whatever image you have of Jesus will affect the image that you have of God. Because frankly, most people will like Jesus long before they realize that he's God. Have you ever stopped and thought about that for a second? That people like Jesus, they like his miracles, they like all the grace that he gives out, they love that he loves everyone, the whole forgiveness of sins, everybody's kind of up for that, and they'll like that version of Jesus far before they make the connection that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one gets to the Father except through him. They'll, they'll do that. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, like I totally understand that if you're tuning in, you might even understand that, as Andy Stanley says, that you know that Jesus was God and Abad, like you understand that. But if you're outside of the Christian circle, you might not have any idea. And if that's you today, you have no idea who God is or what this Jesus thing's about, if you've tuned in and that's kind of your story, I just want to tell you, I'm so glad that you're here today. So glad, because I want you to know the real Jesus more than anything else in this world. And I believe that this series is going to do just that. Because if we really want people to understand who Jesus is and know that he is more than a great philanthropist or has a way with people or he can really speak really well, we need to make sure that we introduce them to the correct Jesus. The Jesus that left heaven to come to earth to seek and save the lost, that died for our sins, rose from the grave and gives us grace in his wake. That, that, Jesus, that Jesus that knows us better than we know ourselves that knit us together inside our mother's womb and gives us a purpose and passion and meaning if we will follow him with our life, but also the Jesus that got mad at stuff. He got mad at things that were detrimental to the way that God had described it or he had intended for it. He, he got mad at things that kept people from the very grace that he came to give them. And guess what? Here's the best part of this series. The best part of the series is that Jesus is going to do all the heavy lifting. Like, I, I barely have to do anything for this series. Because what we're going to do is just going to look at the Bible. And Jesus is going to tell us everything about himself. About who he really is. And that's exactly what we're going to do starting today. 
So if you have your Bibles with you today or you have your Crossroads Grace apps and want to open them, uh, if you're joining us again on our online campus, you can click on the Bible underneath the chat window there. You can find it there. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 is where we'll be at today and we're going to jump there in just a few minutes because inside Mark chapter 11, we're going to start to understand who this Jesus is and how he can come to life by understanding what made him mad. Now, before I begin, I just I remember this um, time when, when I used to play in college baseball and I used to play professional baseball. There was something that we, that all of us, we would pass around the locker room. Everybody got a, a, a turn with it as it went around the locker room before every game. Not that. Stop it. Okay, it wasn't that at all. Okay, it was the it was called the friends and family list. Okay, relax. Friends and family list that we would write the names of friends or families or girlfriends or whatever it was, and we would write it on what was called the will call list. And you wrote their names down. They would take that list to the will call booth, and then those people would come to the booth and they would say, "Hey, I've got some tickets. They're under Brian's name, and they you get tickets. You get to go in the game for free." Now, I was afforded that same opportunity by my friend Braden when he played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And one game in particular that he got me tickets to was Game 5 of the 2006 World Series against the Cardinals versus the Tigers. Okay, it was a sweet game, okay? And, and here's the cool part. I got to walk up to the ticket window, the will call ticket window, and I got to say, uh, yes, my name is Brian, I have two tickets under Braden Looper, and they looked and they said, oh yes, here you go, Mr. Hunt, and I took those two tickets and I fanned them in front of everybody else that wanted to get in that game, right? Because here's the deal, everybody wanted to be in that game, everybody wanted to be there, but not everybody could get in. You either had to buy your own tickets, or you had to look through the little slats in the, in the wall to be able to watch the game from the street, but I had tickets because Braden had set those aside for me. Now, what was interesting about it was that that ended up, game five ended up being the last game of the series because the Cardinals won and I was able to see my friend Braden get another World Series ring. It was the coolest thing I ever saw. And what I got in return was a six-hour drive back to Chicago to be able to get to work by 7 a.m. the next day. Thank you for me, okay? But it was super Cool. But the only way I got in the game was to be able to have those tickets under Braden's name. I got the tickets, went in, and that's how it happened. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep that image up in the back of your mind. Kind of keep that window up, if you will. And we're going to get back to that as we continue and discuss and we look in Mark chapter 11. One of the most famous stories of Jesus' ministry that we're going to look at in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 15. We read these words. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Whoo! How's your golden retriever version of Jesus now, okay? You see, and when I read these, truth be told, I jump to the WWF version of Jesus instantly when I read that. Because he, he goes, ultimate warrior right there, my ultimate warrior Jesus. And I envision him being able to kind of scramble to the top buckle of the ring and a religious leader comes by and he drops a frozen burrito right on top of him, you know, and... My version of the Bible, when I read it, is super awesome. So if you ever want to get in my head sometime, it's super fun. But, you know, that's just how I saw it. This is what Jesus was doing. But I think it's important for us to unpack why he was really mad. 
Why was he really mad? And to do that, we need to peel away this story to understand why Jesus got so upset. And to really dive into this, we need to actually back up just a little bit from where we started to read. And what we'll find just a few verses before this doesn't match the Jesus we just read about. Because at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, or Mark 11, we find out that Jesus was actually entering into the city of Jerusalem, riding a donkey, with people putting palm branches in front of him and shouting, glory to God in the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And he was coming into the city like an A-list celebrity. So how does Jesus go from celebrating to shouting? How could that possibly happen? Well, we understand why this happens in verse 17 of Mark. We'll read it again. It says, and as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers, Jesus says. And in this one verse, we come face to face with the four reasons why Jesus got so mad and was ready to throw down with all these religious leaders. So I want to look at the four reasons why Jesus got mad. The first reason was, is he says, it was my house. Now, I can appreciate what Jesus is saying here, because as a parent, I think we all have kind of done that from time to time. You know, we, we've said that to our kids, and, and uh, parents, okay, tell me if I'm not, if I'm not wrong here, that, that you've said to your kids, um, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to abide by my rules, because this is my house. This is my house, right? I'm going to protect that house. Anybody, any other parents need a little roof reminder for your kids from time to time, you know? Right? Whose house this really is? Because it's my house. I pay the bills. You pay. You, you, you go by what I say. So Jesus just pulled a little my house. He says, this is my house. Meaning that he has the authority to speak as he's speaking right now because they were guests in his house. And the house he's referring to is this thing called the temple. But the temple was not like an Airbnb where you'd come in and just pretend like it was your place for a weekend and leave all the stuff and then just leave. It's not like people could just come into your house and throw their Cheetos all over your white couch and, you know, like break your TV, drink all your cherry bubbly and you'd be just fine with it, you know. No, 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 that ain't going to happen. It's my house. You treat it with my rules. So Jesus was mad when he saw the religious leaders, actually what they were doing to his house. And he was upset because he had created this house for one very specific reason. Which brings us to the, uh, the, the very next thing that made Jesus mad. He, he says that it's a house of prayer. A house of prayer. So, so Jesus says that my house was created for a specific reason. And it was to be a house of prayer. Now, now where this comes from is, is from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament we find out a little bit about this place called the temple. Uh, now, the Old Testament is part of the Bible, and the Bible is broken up into two big sections. The first part of your Bible is called the Old Testament, which is when, before Jesus came. The New Testament was after Jesus came, and he, during his ministry, and then when he ascended into heaven. Two different sections of the Bible. So, in the Old Testament, though, since Jesus wasn't uh, on earth yet, the temple was the place where God's presence was said to reside. Where the people would come to and be with God. But this wasn't a new thing. God has desired to be with his people from the very beginning of time. And we read about it even when the Garden of Eden was created. We read in Genesis 3.8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
So we find out from the very beginning, God wanted to reside with Adam and Eve. He actually wanted to walk with them. And it never stopped just in the garden. God resided with the people of Israel as he led them out of Egypt. And he would protect them by a fire, a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by night. Or a fire by night and cloud by day. God, God resided with David as he defeated Goliath. God resided with Joshua as he led the people into the promised land. God resided with Deborah as she led the people into battle. So residing with his people is something God has wanted to do more than anything else. And the temple was designed so his presence could continue to reside with the people. Now, the temple was designed by King David and was actually built by his son, King Solomon. Kind of think of like Fixer Upper, where Joanna designs everything and then Chip has to do all the work, right? That's basically <laughs> what happened there, okay? Um, but, but the temple, as it was designed and as it was built, it was created with different segmentation that was within it. And ev every layer, there was a different access for different people. And the deeper that you got into the temple, the more exclusive it became until you reached this place called the Holy of Holies. And it really was the Holy of Holies that everyone was coming to be able to see because that's where God's presence resided. But not everyone was allowed there. In fact, only one person one time of year could go in there to the presence of God. It was the high priest on one day to atone for the sins of the people. And since it was the Old Testament before Jesus came, it was a sacrificial system. Which meant that people brought sacrifices to God in the temple to be able to have their sins atoned for. And people would travel for miles around, sometimes only one time in their entire life, to bring these sacrifices to the temple. But instead of it being BYOS, bring your own sacrifice to the temple, okay, most people, they would come there and they would buy their sacrifices there. It was far easier it's like when you give online to the church instead of giving it in person. It's just easier and more convenient. Same thing, but just in the temple. But therein lies where Jesus' madness comes in at. You see, the religious leaders were taking advantage of this practice. They were price gouging the people that were coming to sacrifice at the temple. Now, I think you understand this better than you might. Because, for instance, let's say it's like when you go to the airport. All right, when you go to the airport. And when you go to the airport, before you go, you could pull in to an AM, PM right outside the airport. You can go inside and you can buy a bottle of water for 99 cents. You could do that. But when you go to the airport and you go through the TSA screening area and they suck a little bit of life out of you every time you do that, okay? When you get on the other side of that threshold, you then go to the Hudson News, you buy that same bottle of water for $847. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, <clears throat> right? Now, why do you do that? Because the Hudson News knows that you are not going to, when you become thirsty, retreat back through the security, go get your car, pay the parking, go to the AMP and buy the 99 cent bottle of water, drive back, park your car, drink it before you go through security, okay? And then that little bit of soul leaves you, right? That, you're not going to do that. No. Once you're through TSA, they've got you where they want you. So you're going to pay $847 because you're not going to go back and do it. They've got it exactly where they want you. Same thing has happened here at the temple. Very similar thing. The people have traveled from all over the place. They haven't brought their sacrifices. And now they're in the temple and they've got them. They have created a house of profit margins instead of a house of prayer. Which created the third reason... Why Jesus got mad, it was this. It, they had created it for all nations. 
Now, this is really important. Because what the people had done by the, the system they had created, they were extorting the people. They extorted the people that had come to be able to give their sacrifices. And as they extorted them, they were creating this system that said that if you don't have enough money, you can't buy a sacrifice. And that, way, that means that you can't be near God. You're somehow not welcome there. They, they created a, a something completely different than what Jesus had designed. And he was mad about it. And I'll tell you this. I'm afraid that sometimes churches and Christians, we have fallen into this very same trap. That, that somehow we have, we have said that certain people are allowed to be able to come and know God and certain people are not. That if you look a certain way, if you vote a certain way, and if you make the right amount of money, well then, come on in, you're welcome. But if not, sorry. We've created a system where we've blocked people from having access to God. But Jesus himself says the exact opposite. He says in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, all means all. That means all nations, all genders, all sexualities, all colors, all political parties, all y'all are welcome. I want you to come and I want you to know who I really am, Jesus says. And I really want to speak into your life. Jesus says, come as you are, don't stay as you were. That's what Jesus is telling us. But the religious leaders, they weren't doing that. They had created a system that limited the nations that were allowed into the temple. And Jesus was mad. But all three of those things lined up for the fourth reason why Jesus was so upset. And that was that they had created a den of robbers. A den of robbers. Now, interestingly enough, this isn't necessarily like a really cute turn of phrase that Jesus had, had created. It, it actually was from the Old Testament. Remember that Old Testament again before Jesus had come? And, and what this was referring to was a section of the Bible um, that, that the people in the, in the audience would have known. And it was Jeremiah chapter 7. And it says this. In Jeremiah chapter 7 is, has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? This is God speaking, but, but I have been watching, declares the Lord. So in this little section of scripture is a bit of irony. Because what it tells us is this whole scene that's playing out with Jesus, it wasn't the first time it had happened. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was turning over tables and everything... The same thing happened in the temple. And, and what was happening was that the people of God at this time, which by the way included the priests and the leaders of the people, had turned the temple into this place where the God of the Bible was worshipped and then also this, all the other pagan gods were added in there. It was like a dual worship arena that anything went. And that's why he says that they had created a den of robbers. A den of robbers. And so the prophet Jeremiah was looking at the people and begging them, please turn from your ways, get all these other gods out of the temple, just worship God. But they didn't. And God eventually had to clear and purify the temple by allowing the Babylonians to take over the people and be able to help hold them in captivity as a way of punishment to get them back to God. Because God does not stand for his house to be turned into something that it's not. 
so you, you might be starting to think here, well, okay, well, Pastor B, does that mean that we can't sell books or resources in the church? Is that against the rules? Oh, is, does that mean we should tear down the wall of money out there and not support kids that go to Hume Lake? No, 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 not at all. See, see, for one, there is no sacrificial system anymore. We aren't selling sacrifice. You didn't buy a goat when you came into the worship center, if you didn't know. And online, we didn't make you buy a pigeon or something like that. You know, it just didn't happen. If you did, I don't know where the goats are at. But, you know, like, I, we, that's not part of the deal anymore. See, see, this, there, this isn't to, and, but I also want to be careful. This isn't to say that, well, we don't, when you give to God with your tithes and offerings, that that's a bad thing. Goodness gracious, no. God says we need to bring that to the storehouse, and we need to bring that because that honors God also. So it's not about that. I'm just saying it's different. It's different now. And, and Pastor Tim, my friend, says it so well in his book. He says this. He says, I hereby pronounce emancipation for your church building from any rules that were meant for the temple. There is no theological conditions forbidding selling in the church or, more importantly, bringing coffee into the service. Can I get an amen? He says, right? For all my caffeine-addicted people, amen here, right? Somebody watching from Starbucks just gave me an amen. I know that. So, Jesus is not saying don't sell books. He's saying sponsor kids in Africa. He's saying, listen, give money away to kids that are going to camp. Continue to do that. Do those things, but listen, make sure that it doesn't get in the way of people coming to know me as your Savior. R remember the reason that Jesus got mad. It was because of this. Jesus gets mad when insiders keep people from God. And you know who the insiders are? Religious people. People that knew better were keeping people from God. See, Jesus knew that God desperately wanted people to come to him. How did he know that? Because Jesus was on earth for that reason. God sent, God sent his son from heaven to earth to save everyone. He came to create access to God for all people, all nations. So the thought of people being denied access was too much to handle. So Jesus got mad. Jesus came to break down barriers, not put them back up. And we know that because the temple is no longer needed. In fact, I've been to Israel. I've seen it with my eyes. It's destroyed. It is, it is in rubble, all right? I, I, I've seen that because it doesn't exist. And the reason is, is that Jesus came to eliminate all the blockades, all the walls, all the veil that separated us from God. He tore it all down because of his death on the cross. He created direct access to God. So the thought of religious people creating obstacles for people getting to God was too much. Jesus just, he just got mad. In my, ver in my favorite version of the story, though, is actually found in the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Check this out. Listen to this. It says, in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables, he says. If you didn't notice, it says that Jesus methodically created a whip to be able to take the people out of the temple. Okay? Right? How's your golden retriever, Jesus, now? I'm just telling you right now. Okay? He went up all Indiana Jones on them, right? Right in there. He cleaned out cattle and doves and pigeons and everything. Peter would have hated it, right? It would have been terrible, right? 
But that's what he did. He was so mad. It would have taken methodical time to be able to create a whip to be able to tear everybody out, to get everybody out of there. Why did he do that? Because it was his house. Because it was his rules. Because he wanted everyone to come to him, not just the people that got past the religious leader filter. That's why Jesus came. But you know what? Jesus did not come to whip us into submission either. Jesus came to love us. He came to love us. To love us. He actually came to give us a message. And I want you to pull up what I began this part of the, this, the, the sermon with. And remember this, that all of us are on God's will call list. All of us. D did you know that? All of our names are on that list. But we have to pick up the tickets of grace in order to get in. Just like I couldn't get into that game without getting those tickets and being on the list that Braden had me on, so too we can't get into God's eternity without the tickets of grace that Jesus gave us. We have to accept the gift of forgiveness and that Jesus gave us all. And not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we get to live with God forever and we get to live a life that he called us to. That's what Jesus came for. And guess what? There should be nothing... I mean nothing that keeps us from that, especially insiders, people that know better. Which means that we need to be very, very careful about something. That when we read this, when we read this verse and we read this story, we need to be very careful about which character we think we are. Because don't all of us think that we're Jesus, you know? We're like, oh yeah, I'm, G I'm whipping everybody, everybody getting out of there, you know, that's me. Please, there's only one Jesus, and you ain't it, and I'm not it either, okay? Which leaves only two possible groups of people that we could be. We are either the insiders that are keeping people away from Jesus, or we are the outsiders that are trying to come through these barriers that people have gotten to to be able to get to God. One of the two, that's the only way. And it's very important to know who you are. Because if you are the people that are keeping people from Jesus on purpose or by accident, what we need to do is repent. And we need to say, God, I am sorry. I need your forgiveness because I've created barriers for people to get to God. And that ain't fair. Or if you're the ones on the outside looking in. And you somehow are counting all the coins that you have in your pocket, hoping that you'll have enough to be able to pay your way into God's presence. Jesus would say, put your money in your pocket. It ain't good here. It's, it's not good here because the gift that Jesus gives us is free. And the ticket to get in is waiting for you already. It just requires you coming to the window and saying, excuse me, I have a ticket under the name Brian Hunt. It's under the name Jesus Christ. And I would like to receive that ticket right now. And, and, and Jesus says, if you receive that ticket, that means you're receiving my love and my grace and you're going to receive the kingdom of God. He says, it's for you because I've already paid for it. It's already taken care of on the cross. So just take your ticket and come on in. That's what Jesus wants you to hear. He wants you to know that. Because what I want you to take away more than anything else from this message is this one idea, this one idea that Jesus came so outsiders can come inside. That's why he came. 
He came for outsiders like you, outsiders like me. And he says, come on in, y'all. I'm going to bring y'all inside. And if we know that feeling, come on now. If we know that feeling of being on the outside and now being brought in, we need to do anything we possibly can to tell people about that to bring them inside. We need to do anything we can to say, hey, your name's on the list. Your name's, all you got to do is get your ticket. Just go get it. Instead of creating barriers that we think that we're holier than we are, that somehow you need to rise to the level of me before you can be with he, that that just doesn't work. Because Jesus is saying, don't make me make another whip. Don't, don't, don't make me work this out, you know, because I will. You want to make God mad? Keep his kids from him. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. I'll tell you what. But I'm telling you right now, though, there is a will call booth waiting your name. And all he is asking you to do is to come and say, I believe I have a ticket. It's under the name of Jesus Christ. And the reason that's even possible is because of that cross. It's because Jesus died on a cross for your sins and mine. It's because Jesus loved us so much that he couldn't bear to be apart from us and so he made a way back to God. And it is not because of anything you've done. Were you to stand in front of God and somehow take the change out of your pocket and say, God, is this enough to get in? He'd say, it doesn't even come close. But were you to pull out the ticket that says, saved by grace, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter your rest because of Jesus Christ. So when we take communion here in a few minutes, I pray that you will remember that. I pray that you will remember Jesus, what he did for you. Receive that newness that he's offering. And then set out resolute not to ever make a barrier between God and the people on the outside ever again. Because Jesus got mad when outsiders weren't allowed to come inside. In a second, trays are going to pass in front of you here. I'd love you to take both those cups out. There's bread in the bottom, juice in the top. I'll ask you to hold on to them because we'll come back together as a body of believers. For our online campus, this would be a time to get a, some cracker or maybe a little bit of juice to be able to partake with us in just a few minutes. But we'll come back as we worship. We'll come back together to remember Jesus. But in this time, let's just pray and ask God to seal our hearts and to speak to us now. Father God, I know this message hits people in different ways. Some people that just say, God, I have, I realize today that I've been creating barriers, that I somehow have thought myself much, much more holier than I am. And whether on purpose or by accident, Father, I feel like I've been keeping people from you and I need to repent of that. But God, I also know that there are people here today that have never realized that there is a gift of grace, a ticket waiting for them, and that they can receive the eternal love and salvation from your son Jesus today if they'll simply just come and say I Jesus I believe in you I believe my name is written in your book of life I'd like to receive that ticket and follow you so father I pray that if anyone here anyone online has not done that that they would cry out to you God and they would say father I'm a sinner and I'm apart from you and I didn't know what to do but today I know Today I know your grace is real and I come and I want to receive my ticket your son paid for. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through the ticket of grace. And I want my ticket and I want to follow you. I want my life to have purpose, passion, and meaning. Come into my life. May the old be gone, may the new come. 
God, you tell us if anyone does that they're a new creation, that you have counted them as yours. And so, Father, I pray that that would happen across this world and across this room, that you would work. Thank you for letting us have a way through you, Jesus. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.